We're on a mission from God. And now for something completely different. This is Pastor Jolly John Lekomsky uh, coming to you from New Athens, Illinois. And this is Pastor Matt Youngblood Clark coming to you from Ascension Lutheran Church in a beautiful South St. Louis. And you have tuned in to Wrestling with the Basics. Um, and we're doing kind of a series of Old Testament stories. Uh, you did a really, really tough one last week about Abraham uh, and the sacrifice of his son Isaac. Any Any last words you want to... Uh, share with us, bring back to our memory from last week's episode, Matt. Well, thanks, John. Yeah, I think for me, the to we looked at that account through the lens of God as provider. That's a, a boy, a, a, a consistent theme that God, God sees. That's literally what it says in the Hebrew. Is you know when Isaac asks his dad, "Dad, where's the sacrifice?" and and uh, Abraham says, "God will see to it. God sees. Uh, God will provide the sacrifice." And just that reminder for, for us and for our listeners that that's who God is. God is still a God who sees today. He sees us. He knows us. He sees to it for us, provides for us. Uh, that most wonderful way of providing was, was his own son, right? And especially this Lent, that's what we focus on. Christ's sacrifice on the cross, that sacrifice once for all out of God's great love for us. Uh, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world but then also that God provides for all of our needs. God sees to it no matter what those needs are. So, you know, whether we're someone who maybe is, um, you know, entering retirement and wondering, you know, are we going to have enough money for this thing called retirement or not? Or or maybe it's someone who's a first-time parent and wondering, oh, my goodness, how am I going to raise this child? You know, uh, or whether it's someone who's lost a loved one to death recently and there's just a great void there. I think in all of those instances, we can say the Lord will provide. The Lord will see to it. The Lord sees you. The Lord will provide for you. That's his promise. I don't always know how, right? Uh, but we know that he will because, again, that's what he promises. Um, you know, the one who gave up his son for us, how will he not, along with him, graciously give us all things, as, as Paul writes in Romans chapter 8. And I think that's why it was, it was really, because I did not actually realize that. Uh, which shows that even old guys can learn stuff, uh, uh, that the word provide there in that story of Abraham actually is the Lord sees. Yeah. Because uh, I thought what's cool is, is we don't see. In fact, that's the very definition of faith, yeah. isn't it? Oh, that's good. Faith is yeah. hope of the things that are unseen. So, so Abraham didn't see how God was going to see to it. Uh, he didn't know. We don't know. how. Well, but see, we do. We do because we have what God has told us. Now, we don't see it, but he's told us that the same thing's going to happen to us. There's going to be a resurrection from the dead for us, for our loved ones, eternal life. And, and the cool thing is, while we can't see it, we can just believe it. We know, as you've indicated, that God does see to it. He yeah. has seen it. He is seeing it. He is going to see that it's done just the way he said. So, yeah. Thanks. So, so, the, 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 yeah. I mean, the only just, thing I— yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> the, only, the only thing I would add to that is just, you know, so God provides for us, right? But he also provides 
through us sometimes. Uh, so, you know, yeah. God sees us, right? Uh, but who do we see in our world? Because you're right, John, we, we can't see God or, you know, and, and no. you know, and how he's specifically going to provide for us in a specific circumstance. But, boy, we can see our neighbor, though. And when they're in need, uh, we can see to it that, that they're provided for, that they're loved. Um, God can work through us to provide for them. Um, so just to have our eyes open to that, who do we see and, and how can, can God work through us to see to it that they're cared for, that they know who Jesus is? Um, anyway, so, that's, so I think that's that's a great distinction. So, so we, we as far as faith is, we we don't see things. We don't know mm-hmm. how God's going to work it out. Yeah. We know He will. That, yes. That's His promise. But you're right. There are things we can see, and those are things we can act on, and those are things we can do, which of course is loving and caring for the yeah. people that are around us. So that's a nice distinction, Matt. Yeah. It's a nice distinction. Um, I want to deal with another story that, that's, that's kind of difficult. In fact, a lot of the Old Testament stories are difficult because what happens in them is so foreign and so strange. And you wonder, well, how does this have any application to our life? Uh, and yet I think the entirety of the Old Testament uh, has application to our life. In fact, I think that the key things about Christianity are the things that are going on uh, in the story of Abraham. And, and now we want to deal a little bit with the story of Moses. Um, because I think there, there are three key things in Christianity. There, there, is, there is sin, uh, there is faith, as we've been talking about it, and, and as you just mentioned, actually, this works really good. It's almost like we planned this. Ha! Uh, <laughs> love, love, that's a key thing in Christianity, too, so thanks for reminding us. We've we, we got to remember that's part of it as well. And, and the story, I want to illustrate those three things, uh, uh, sin, faith, and love, is the story of Moses as, as a little baby. Okay. Um, so let's start with a little background, though, to the story of Moses and a little baby. Uh, of course, if you're talking about sin, we, we have probably one of the most wicked, evil villains that you'll find anywhere in the Bible when it comes to the story of Moses. And who is that? Who is that? So you have Pharaoh, the, the king of Egypt. Yeah. Uh, and of course, uh, many commentators point out that we don't even know the name. Uh, uh, God doesn't even bother to tell us the name of this evil, <laughs> wicked villain. Uh, but I'm thinking about that judgment scene where, where Jesus says, I don't even know you. <laughs> right? People are knocking on the door and let us and he says, I don't even know you. Uh, um, yeah, but, yeah. But, but let me share with you some of the evil, wicked things that, that makes him such a terrible, terrible villain. Uh, if you could read for me Exodus 1, verses 13 through 14. Talking about Pharaoh here. I do like that, though, John. His, his name's not even worth recording in the Bible, right? Yeah. And you think of all the people, the sinners and people's names are recorded, right? But not, not this guy, not this Pharaoh, right? Okay. Um, Exodus. So it says, So they ruthlessly made the people of Israel work as slaves and made their lives bitter with hard service and mortar and brick and all kinds of work in the field. And all their work, they ruthlessly made them work as slaves. So there you go. That That's what a terrible, horrible, incredibly evil, wicked person this Pharaoh was, and he made them work ruthlessly. Well, wait a second, Matt. Didn't we do that for about 100 years in our country? <laughs> as, as I recall my history lessons, yeah, we did that for about 100 years to black people, didn't we? We made them ruthlessly slaves. And, and you know what's what's really incredibly sad is that for most of it, Christians didn't even say a thing about it. It was just like, okay. In fact, there were Christians that were actually saying, oh, no, this is what the Bible teaches. This is actually the will of God that people would be enslaved. Hmm. 
So maybe, maybe Pharaoh really wasn't as uh, wicked as what I thought, or at least not unusually wicked. Well, okay, wait wait a second. There, there's something else he did, though, that not, I think yeah. is really incredibly cruel. Are, are, do you have a comment about that, Matt? Well, no, no, I, I, no, John, yeah, not any more wicked than any of us, right, John? Yeah, okay, well, fair yeah, enough. You're, 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 you're kind of getting my drift here. Okay, let yeah. Me, let me give I'm you one more example. Picking up where you're want, laying down. If you want to give an example of how incredibly wicked and evil this man was, read Exodus 1, verse 22. Yeah. Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, Every son that is born to the Hebrews you shall cast into the Nile, but you shall let every daughter live. So so again, Matt, you know, we can look at that and say, Oh, what an incredible evil. But but we look at our, our country again and, and what do we see, Matt? Well, I mean, we see uh, abortion, for instance, right? Uh, and we see, boy, uh, you know, in other countries, too, you know, sometimes even based upon a child's sex, male, female, you know, <laughs> one might be wanted and one might not be wanted so much. Um, so so I was doing some look at the statistics because I was just wondering, because there is so much talk about, about abortion. And I, I must admit I was shocked. I, I looked at the statistics from the CDC the Center of Disease Control, and I point that out because there's no political motivation here. You know what I'm saying? This is this is not a, a, some political organization trying to prove a point. It's just the government statistics. The hard numbers. Yeah. Two years ago, I couldn't believe this. One out of five, one out of five births was aborted, Matt. Wow. I had no idea that the numbers were that that dramatic. Uh, and I'm thinking at least Herod gave him a chance, right? If you had a if you had a smart mother and she could hide the baby, well, then the baby might survive. We 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 kill him in the womb. In fact, the mothers are killing them. Yeah. So 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 you already caught my drift. It does us no good to look for villains in the Old Testament. We we are not looking so we can say, well, thank God I'm not like Pharaoh. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, no. When Christians talk about sin, we're talking about something that impacts the whole world and impacts us personally as well. And I have a strong suspicion that the reason you and I have not been given great power, <laughs> okay, is because God knows. Oh, I, I can't imagine what what John and Matt would do if they had the power of a Pharaoh. <laughs> Who knows <laughs> what incredible evil things they would do. Uh, but but yeah, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So so it's something we all wrestle with. Uh, and, and in fact, can I give you just two more examples of what I think we have in common with with Pharaoh? Would that be okay? Oh yeah, go right ahead. All right. So so it's not like Pharaoh is is like your classic movie villain. He, he's sitting in his castle or his pyramid or I don't know where where did Pharaoh sit, Matt? Do you have any? I don't idea? think they're in the pyramids. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah, right. Right. His palace. He's on his throne in his palace there uh, along the Nile. Okay. Yeah. So he's not. Like, and he's he not, watched the Ten Commandments, John. Uh, yeah, that's true. Uh, there, Yul okay, Brenner. There you go. Yul Brenner. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> they're all bald too. They're all. They're all bald. Maybe that's why they were so angry. Uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> I can't get a decent haircut. <laughs> but but so it's not like it, you know they're twiddling their thumbs saying, "Oh, how can I be cruel to the to the Israelites?" He actually has a reason for doing what he's doing. Uh, again, the Bible's really explicit about this. If you read Exodus 1, again, verses 9 through 10. Yeah. He said to his people, Behold, the people of Israel, too many, too mighty for us. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply. And if war breaks out, they join our enemies and fight against us and overturn the land. So, so 
It's fear. It's fear that motivates him. Uh, uh, and, and it occurred to me, yeah, maybe that's how the Bible is constantly saying fear not, because I think so much evil and so much wickedness goes on because we're frightened. We're frightened of things. I, I suspect that's why Putin in, invaded Ukraine, because he saw that Ukraine was becoming more and more Western, that there were actually overtures that maybe they would join us as an ally, that they'd become part of NATO. And he said, I'm not going to have that. I'm not going to have an enemy on my doorstep. And so that's why he, he invaded the Ukraine. Uh, we've got all this stuff going on in Israel. And you wonder, why is all this brutality going on in the Middle East? It's because Jews are frightened of, of, of the, the Muslims. The Muslims are frightened of the Jews. And, um, you know, you've been working with, with uh, uh, immigrants. Immigrants. Uh, do, they, do they talk? Do they, do they feel fear? Or, or do they sense that people are frightened of them? Or does that any of that come in in your discussions with the immigrants that you have in your church? Yeah, oh, well, sure, you know, and uh, yeah, so coming as uh, as refugees in particular, you know, at Ascension, and um, I think, uh, yeah, I, I think just a, perhaps as a fear of the unfamiliar, you know, here is someone who is, you know, um, in St. Louis, who doesn't speak the same language, have the same culture, who are they, what are they up to, why are they here, what's their motivations? Yeah, I think fear and suspicion can certainly um, you know, be in, be in the hearts and minds of people just because it's it's unfamiliar, right? And 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 so again, I, I think, and, and I'll be honest, if, if I'm walking in, in downtown St. Louis and I would see you know a couple or three black teenagers come my way, I, I must admit that I'm I, I'm uncomfortable with that. But again, not for any reason, not that anyone has ever harmed me. And, and again, please understand, I'm not saying that if if I was attacked, that I don't have a right to defend myself. I'm not saying that as a country we don't have a right to call our armed forces together and defend ourselves when we're attacked. Certainly we should defend our families if they are attacked. But, of course, you know, the thing you got to remember is what does Jesus say we're supposed to do to our enemies? Yeah, love them, pray for them, yep. Because, see, somehow we want them to understand. We don't want to harm anybody. We don't intend evil for anybody. No, what we want to do is we want to, we want to love and we want to care for people. And, and again, I think that's why the Bible constantly says fear not, because this fear is a source of so much uh, wickedness and evil and mistreatment in our world. Um, here's the yeah. other thing I think we have in common with Pharaoh. I think Pharaoh really thought he was doing what was right. I mean, he is the leader of the Egyptians. Uh, if you know your history, the Egyptians have been invaded by foreigners in the past. In fact, this present pharaoh probably was part of the new regime that had driven out a lot of these foreigners. So he's just doing what he thinks he needs to do to protect his Egyptian people. And, and so I'm going to ask our listeners to do something rather difficult here, but, but I'm going to ask them when they get done listening to this show, if they would just take a few moments in prayer and think about something that they're doing, that they're absolutely certain is the right moral thing to do. They have no doubt in their minds that this is the right, righteous, moral thing to do. And, and to just think and pray to God, is there some sin in this? Because I have found that usually the most sinful things are the things that at the time I thought were the most right and correct things I could do. And I am pretty well convinced that, that if the Bible is true and it says our righteous deeds are like filthy rags in his sight, I am pretty convinced that even our most holy acts, there's probably going to be an element of sin that we should recognize and we should repent of. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know. Any thoughts about that? Well, thanks, that, John. Yeah. Well, I think this part of it is, and I think we've talked about this on Rest of the Basis before, is, is reading the Bible like a loser. Do you remember uh, talking about that? Um, you know, this yeah, idea yeah. that sometimes we, we come at the Bible and, you know, we're the ones who identify with um, the good guys in the Bible. Yeah, we're the yeah. Moseses. We're the Aarons. We're the Davids. Um, and wait a second. Uh, maybe sometimes we look a little more like the Pharaohs and the Herods and the tax collectors and the Pharisees. You know, so for us to, to read Scripture, you know, um, not not with pride, but with humility, with humility, and uh, to realize, no, no, we're, we're in need of forgiveness. We are no no holier than, and, and no less um, deserving of damnation than even Pharaoh. Yeah, and, and that, that's, that's a good practice. And, you know, the irony is, is, yeah, we, we could see ourselves as the Moseses and the Davids, because in the very next story, Moses kills a man, and David, of course, well, commits yeah. adultery and kills <laughs> Fair a man. Enough. Yeah, so, so yeah, yeah. If, if, if you want to see him that way, yeah, we, we can see ourselves as that. I, uh, I'll give a little personal confession here. Man, I thought I was really, really a good pastor, one of the best pastors there ever was when I was a pastor. And, and every day I'd realize, man, I'm so proud. I'm so egotistical, and I hated that. But it's just something that I, to this day I wrestle with. So, yeah, dear people, sin, you're going to find it in the Old Testament. You're going to find it in, 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 in today. But don't see it as the thing. Don't see the, 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 the speck in your brother's eye. We should probably become really aware of the log that we have in our own eye, as Jesus says. So that's sin. Um, so here's the second thing, though, you're going to find in the story of Moses. Faith. Faith. Which, if you think about it, if it, it is a world where, where there are so many things to be frightened of, there is so much evil and wicked, there are so many pharaohs out there, and then, of course, we have to be frightened of our own sinful flesh, that there would be any faith at all is, is a remarkable miracle. But if you could read for me, let's go to the second chapter of Exodus. Read just the, uh, the, the, the uh, yeah, verse 1 and 2 of Exodus chapter 2. Okay. Uh, it says, Now a man from the house of Levi went and took his wife, a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him three months. Okay, so there you go. Uh, we, we have the, the birth of Moses. And you know what, Matt? I am willing to bet, because you are a very, very knowledgeable guy. You know your Bible forwards and backwards. You wouldn't happen to know of a New Testament passage that comments on that, do you? Let's see here. Um, well, let's see. As a matter of fact, Hebrews eleven, John. If I, I knew you'd, I knew you'd be able to come up with yeah. something, Matt. Yeah. yeah. What's it say in Hebrews eleven? Uh, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. And and you'll notice, by the way, the key thing is they're not what. They were not uh, afraid. Yeah. If, if, if fear is the result of sin, faith is the elimination of fear. And I'm thinking, wow, that, that is an act of faith, isn't it? Because I'm thinking if I were a Jewish mother, a Jewish parent, I would despair. If I had a baby boy, i think, oh, well, it's all over with. You know, this mighty, powerful Pharaoh mm -hmm. has made his edict. My child is going to die. But instead, nope, she, she believes. She trusts that God's going to protect him somehow, just like you talked about, the God who sees, the God who provides. I'm not sure how he's going to do it, but, but she, she keeps him, uh, uh, you know, keeps him hidden for a while. 
course, here's the problem now. It's, he's he's three months old, and so he's he's making too much noise. We can't keep him hidden anymore. Uh, and so what does she do? You want to continue that story there in, in Exodus 2, starting with verse 3? Yeah. Uh, when she could hide him no longer, she took him. She took for him a basket made with bulrushes, dabbed it with bitumen and pitch, and she put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the riverbank. And keep on reading. Just, we'll just sure. go ahead. And... Uh, and his sister stood at a distance to know what would be done to him. Now the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe the river while her young women walked beside the river. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her servant women. She took it. When she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, it was a... Let's just stop it right there because I want to build a suspense here. So here's the plan. I can't hide him in my house anymore. If 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 an Egyptian soldier would come by right away, they'd hear the noise. They'd know know I had a baby. So I'm going to kind of hide him in plain sight. I'll put him in the Nile in a basket that's waterproof. Who's going to look for a baby in the bulrushes uh, of the Nile? Uh, uh, it seems like a great plan. I've got my daughter there watching over him. They're not looking for little Hebrew girls. They're looking for Hebrew mothers. So at least he'll he'll be safe there. And then, of course, it seems like the plan falls apart because someone does hear the baby cry. And it is the daughter of Pharaoh. So what do you think the daughter of Pharaoh is going to do when she finds a little Hebrew boy? Yeah, well, you would think, right? You would expect that she's going to obey the Pharaoh's edict or dad's edict, right, and get rid of the kid. So I'm thinking, oh, my plan is all gone to pot. It's all over with. My son's going to die. So now now read what actually happened there with verse 6. Yeah. Read all the way to verse 6 through verse uh, 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 10. Yeah. yeah, when she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby was crying. She took pity on him and said, this is one of the Hebrew children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call you a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. So the girl went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. When the child grew up, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. So, so, so you think if God had come to Moses' mother and said, "Look, here I've got this plan. We're actually going to have Pharaoh take care of your son." Yeah. <laughs> okay. Incredible. He'll, yeah, I know. Pay and, to and, take care. Of, you pay you to take yeah. care of your own son. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And so you don't need to worry. Everything's going to be fine. And of course, well, how in the world is that going to happen? Uh, but that, of course, is the whole point of faith. Faith is not about what we do. It's about this belief that somehow, because God loves us and cares for us, he will do the impossible. He will see to it that we are provided for, like, like you, you talked yes. about last yeah. week. Uh, and it will be in some way that we just probably could not have imagined, that we couldn't have dreamt. Uh, and that is what faith is. But that brings us then to the final element here that we find in the Old Testament and in our present Christianity, and that is love. Because actually we do know why Pharaoh's daughter did what she did. In fact, it's right there in the text. If you could read for me again Exodus uh, chapter 2, verse 6. Why did Pharaoh's daughter, why did she disobey her dad? When she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby was crying. She took pity on him and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. So she has pity. She has love. She thinks this is an abandoned child, and even though it is a Hebrew child, she's going to 
in her love and her compassion, she's going to take that child in and care for it. And, of course, everything else that you described there with Moses' mother not actually being the, the nursemaid, as it were, of her own child. Now, here's the thing that we cannot say for sure. How in the world is it that this, this daughter of Pharaoh would go against her father, would act in love and compassion towards a Hebrew child? I don't know. You want to venture a guess, Matt? Because we don't have an explicit ex. We know she did it out of pity, but we don't know where the pity came from. Yeah, this any, is any? completely unexpected, right? Yeah. Breaking her, the Pharaoh's law, her own dad's law, um, and, and maybe at risk of herself, you know, her own uh, safety. Yeah. But, you know, it's just, I, I think the Lord is behind this. <laughs> that God is providing and even softening the heart of Pharaoh's daughter to have pity to have compassion for this this little baby boy. Um, that's all I got, John, is that God is at work, and he works through Pharaoh's daughter in this circumstance, which which is pretty cool. You know, God can work through anyone uh, to accomplish his will. Which, which is another reason it occurs to me that we shouldn't be frightened of other people, because we may be surprised at the people that we think are evil or wicked and that God in turn will use, just like the Apostle Paul. You know, it must have been hard for the Christians to listen to him, to welcome him, knowing what he'd done. And yet, yeah, God can use—God really does incredible, miraculous things. My speculation would be that she must have known about the Hebrew God. She must have known something about the Hebrew faith, because how is it that she could look at the child and immediately know that it was a Hebrew child? She must have known something about the Hebrew gods. And let me tell you this, if you got to choose between gods, you don't want to choose the Egyptian gods, because you go back and you study the Egyptian gods, they are all things that you should be frightened of. That's their whole thing. They are, they are gods of fear. And if you don't make your sacrifice to them, well, you better be frightened, because they will punish you. Whereas uh, uh, the God of the Hebrew God, well, he's, he's the God, and this is what he calls himself. He's merciful. He's gracious. He's slow to anger. He's abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. And so I just think somehow she must have come to know that, that Hebrew God. And, and out of that knowledge of the God of faithfulness and God of love, uh, in fact, uh, abounding in, in love, she then responded in kind, because I know that's how it works for us. Not not perfectly, of course, because we're still all a bunch of sinners. But yeah, uh, as Christians, we do. As you, you mentioned at the very beginning of the episode, we do see the people around us, and we, we have pity and compassion, and we respond with love. So there you go, Matt. Even in the Old Testament, those basics are there, sin, faith, and uh, uh, love. And I've got one more thing I want to share and if you don't mind, I'll, I'll bring it back next week, and then we'll go on to whatever our new material is. Would that be all right? Yeah, sounds good, John. You know, great text, yeah. Be- because one of, the, one of the things I was taught in the seminary is you got to find Jesus. Every time you go to the Bible, you need to find Jesus. Well, that's why when I was a pastor, I always preached the Gospels. Not like you. I didn't choose the Old Testament lesson to preach on, because Jesus is easy to find in the Gospels. The Gospels, right there. yeah, you bet. <laughs> Sometimes it's harder to find him. But I think this story is also all about Jesus. And uh, with your permission, we'll begin next week's episode. And then we'll go on for wherever the Lord leads us. Uh, this has been Wrestling with the Basics.
Showing support for KFUO is now easier than ever. You can sport a KFUO shirt, swag, or even socks by visiting our online store. Go to kfuo.org slash store and order high-quality KFUO-branded merch. You no longer need to wait for our annual share for a chance to show your KFUO spirit. Visually share and wear this ministry out in the world by checking out our selection. Every purchase helps to support our proclamation of Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. Go to kfuo.org slash store.